Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Well, back during the mayoral terms of Rahm Emanuel and Lori Lightfoot, it was common to wonder how well the city of Chicago and Cook County government would work together, since both mayors had no great love for Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle. Well, that's different now, of course. Mayor Johnson and Tony Preckwinkle are allies. But the Chicago Workforce Partnership is the one agency that has always bridged the gap well, and we're going to talk with its relatively new leader. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest is George Wright, the CEO of the Chicago Cook Workforce Partnership. He's been on the job since June when he replaced Karen Norrington Reeves, who ran the agency from its inception in 2012. Uh, she made an ex- unsuccessful bid for Congress when she left. Uh, the uh, partnership's mission, though, is implicit in its name. Cook County and Chicago are partnering over jobs. But it goes deeper and further than that, as I'm sure Mr. Wright will explain. He took this job after a career in banking and community development. He was director of community relations for Citibank's Global Consumer Group, and he was on the partnership's board of directors since 2015. Now he's heading the not-for-profit agency that oversees what's billed as the largest workforce system in the country. We are conducting this interview via Zoom, and George Wright, welcome. Thank you, Craig. So happy to be here. It's an honor. Well, it's an honor for me. Uh, But let's start with the basics. What is the partnership and what does it do? Sure. So the partnership is an umbrella organization that in its core or at its core 
connects job seekers, what we really call career seekers, with career providers. So in essence, we make that connection between someone who's looking for a meaningful career and those who provide those careers. We make that happen. Yeah. Part of this is also making sure that the people who are looking for the jobs are ready uh, for the jobs. And so I know that job training has also been a part of uh, of the partnership's mission. Can you talk a little bit about uh, about that? Sure. That's the intersection of what I call the journey from a, a job to a career, because you have to be prepared to take on the challenges and the opportunities that careers present. And so the on-the-job training, all the things that we do to prepare people is all around sustainability. It's making sure that, again, when someone thinks they want a job, we introduce them to a career and how can they actually skill up? What about their credentials? What about their educational um, credentials, if you will, to make sure that they are in fact ready to have that career and to, for it to be sustainable. Um, has that part of the operation had to grow and 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 or, or evolve? Because, uh, you know, in, in all fields, including, you know, a lot of the stories that, uh, that we're doing, for example, even hiring new police officers, for example, the training has been the thing that people talk about the most. Is that happening in private sector and government jobs, too? In a big way. And I think that people are more and more attuned to it. People are more and more intentional about it, because to your point, the sustainability around careers really starts, you start the engine with, are you prepared? Do you have the necessary skills, especially with a changing job market that needs specific skills that maybe 10, 20, 30 years ago, that was not necessarily the case. Um, and, and, and tell me how you get the private sector involved in the training, well, and also in, in you know, hiring people, but uh, I, it, how much do you have to talk with them even before the people are applying? So the engagement is is relatively easy now because it's all about the data, right? It's 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 supply and demand, and right now there, the 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 scale is switched, if you will, in terms of employers needing more employees, and so they are really highly engaged in making sure that they are connected to our system. And that they're looking for people because, once again, it's acquisition and it's retention for them, that cost. And they want to make sure that when they're actually acquiring an employee, they retain that employee. And the best way to do that is through making sure that they have adequate training before they actually even set foot in, in the, the company, uh, the corporation, et cetera. How do you keep track of what uh, job skills or, or, frankly, what jobs are out there so that you know? that people are aiming at the right things when they are looking for work? Yeah, it's two equations there. So one really goes to what we talk about when we say WIOA, which is the Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act, which requires that we provide data and feedback based upon our being good stewards of these dollars that come from the federal flowdown provision from the Department of Labor to the state and to the partnership. So we actually tell them these individuals engage with us, this is what they're looking like in terms of two quarters and four quarters out. And the other part of that equation is really the employers and our research that we actually do to figure out and socialize what do we call the hottest jobs available or hottest careers. These are careers that really that supply and demand equation is lacking, where there's 
a great deal of supply and not so much demand. Um, can I ask what what are what what are the hot fields now? You know, because sometimes I do when we are talking with say the the city colleges, for example, their whole system is now based on trying to find the hot jobs. When from where you're sitting, what are the yeah. fields that are um, are vibrant now? Yeah. Well, there's a couple of them that would be quite intuitive and a couple of them that may not be as intuitive. So um, from the former, you're talking about healthcare, right? There's always a need for healthcare professionals. Um, IT is changing so rapidly that that continues to be an area where there's a great deal of focus in terms of supply and demand. But one field is, that's interesting, um, that people, again, wouldn't intuit that this is going to be the case, would be manufacturing. There are so many jobs and opportunities for manufacturing now. And so it's not what we call your father's or grandfather's old manufacturing plant that was, you know, dark and dingy. This is high technology now, and people need to be really skilled to take on these opportunities in manufacturing. So once again, we keep a running list. We have a research department within the partnership that looks at these hot um, markets, if you will, these hot jobs and, and careers that are really wanted. Um, but those are just a few. And interesting, when you talk about the manufacturing, um, this may go back to the training a little bit, but it now seems as if manufacturing is also becoming meshed with IT. That, you know, if you don't know technology, you don't know the, you know, the mechanics of getting things made. That's right. And, and so how many times you heard people say when their computer, you know, was circling or stalling or the Wi-Fi wasn't working, can't live with it, can't live without it. It's the same with manufacturing. And once again, these are highly skilled um, careers where people need to have an acumen in IT. Again, it's not just someone working in this dark, dank factory that's, you know, it's not so appealing to work at. These are really, really, really computerized. They're IT uh, focused, um, and people need to be skilled up uh, to actually take advantage of those opportunities. Are you finding that the schools, uh, and not just public schools, but any schools, are keeping up with that kind of need? Um, you know, we know that there are a lot of schools that are specializing in healthcare and should be and will, will, will mm -hmm. always be a need for that. But are you seeing enough of people coming out of our schools with the knowledge to take these new fangled manufacturing jobs? I think the key word that you mentioned, Craig, was enough. So yes, we are seeing it, but perhaps not enough. And, it, and I look at it from this particular lens. Um, there is a way to teach someone and train someone in a classroom, but not necessarily prepares them for the practical application of what they would be doing. I'll give you an example, HVAC. So you can go into a classroom and you can learn everything you need to know about um, HVAC. But what you can't learn is going up in someone's attic in Chicago in August and it's 110 degrees up there. What you can't learn is going down in someone's crawl space in the wintertime and it's 15 degrees. So those practical things, I think that schools are trying to make sure that they are embedding, if you will, not only the, the technical parts of the training, but also the practical parts of the training, which in my opinion, sometimes makes the case on whether or not someone not just acquires a job, but stays in that career. Um, does that 
bring in a need for more involvement of uh, of, of craft unions and 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 any other organizations that might be able to handle that where where people from the industry are participating in preparing a workforce for the jobs i think it's a brilliant question and 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 i i i i couldn't have paid you more to set that question up because that's exactly um what i think needs i think that those individuals that are working in those fields right who don't consider themselves teachers or don't consider themselves instructors can actually play a vital role in making sure that people understand, okay, once you have the knowledge, these are the things that you're gonna be faced with when you actually do this job. So I think that's not just involving those individuals in the curriculum, it's involving those individuals in a real sense in terms of these are practical things, once again, that you're gonna be faced with when you actually start to, to work in that career. Hmm. Um, well, let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, the, uh, the, the programs themselves, because the partnerships programs are open to anyone in Chicago and Cook County as, as far as I know, but, uh, how and where do people learn about those things? So there's a, a we, we just started a campaign called level up. Um, and what this does is that it, it brings a lot of attention and what I call, um, awareness, if you will, to what our programs are and how to access them and where to access them. So your listeners can simply go to what we call levelupajc.org. That's levelupajc.org. And all the information about programs availability, when you enroll, how can you enroll, what are some of the options, if you will, can be had at that particular website. Um, If you want to call, we can go 800-720-2515. 800-720-2515, and it will give you information in terms of, once again, where our programs are, where we can have access to those programs. So if the public says, well, I'm on the south side, where do I go? If I'm on the west side, where do I go? If I'm in Wheeling, where do I go, et cetera? Are there things that people should know about or be ready for when they take that step to, you know, uh, you know should, should they be prepared before they even go onto those sites? Um, Craig, that's not a good question. That's a great question. <laughs> and, and the reason why I say that is because it goes back to what I've always said about jobs and careers. They should be prepared that 51% of their success is going to reside with them. They're going to have to be prepared to do the work. They're going to have to be prepared to show up. They're going to have to show up on time. They're going to have to be committed. And so that's the only thing that we require. If they show up and they really want to to move from A to B in terms of their career journey, we're here to help them. But they have to be highly as highly engaged as we are in their own success. Do they need to have a, a strong idea about what they want to do or where they want to go? No. Um, what they need to understand is that there is going to be options that they probably have not heard of. They're going to be things that they should consider and have an open mind, but once again, be ready to work because there are so many opportunities out there. And we find that sometimes those opportunities weren't really thought of prior to the person coming into one of our American job centers or one of our delegate agencies. They say, aha, I didn't know I could do this. Now tell me what the journey looks like in terms of getting there. And we do that. Can you you tell me about the, the kinds of agencies, because as you said, it's an umbrella organization. Mm-hmm. What are the kinds of, uh, of 
agencies, companies, or whatever are are under that umbrella that people are likely to encounter? So there's a couple of things. So when you go to what we call a comprehensive American Job Center, you will find, of course, the partnership, but you also might find Illinois Department of Employment Services or IDES, right? And, and that's the old people call unemployment services, right? So people can come and do both. They can say, listen, I want to go across the hall because I think I, um, I qualify for unemployment benefits, but I also want to stay across the hall because I think there are some career opportunities that I haven't thought of. In other centers, we have partners, if you will, and these are, could be delegate agencies, these could be par uh, departments of the city, DFSS. These could be other organizations that are saying, we can help you if you have other needs. And we know that oftentimes, Craig, as you would imagine, an individual comes into our job centers and they just don't need a career. There are other things that they may have challenges with. Childcare, um, once again, unemployment. And so we have partners, if you will, that either are sitting in those facilities with us or we know exactly how to get in touch with them um, in a spur of the moment. So it's not something that we're challenged with in terms of making sure that we provide comprehensive wraparound services to people who come into our centers. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore. My guest is George Wright, the CEO of the Chicago Cook Workforce Partnership. And you've given us the, the overall and how many different things people can find help with when they go to one of those centers. Are there some overall programs and initiatives that the uh, partnership offers as well? Uh, can Can we talk a little bit about those? Sure. So we actually um, are embarking on what we're calling our outcomes to impacts. And this in, entails a lot of programs such as there's a program called Opportunity Works. Right. And this program really is about making sure that youth um, are engaged in apprenticeships. Youth are engaged in opportunities where they can learn on the job training, if you will, and then be hired by an employer, if you will, that they have really worked for in an apprenticeship or type of some type of, of, you know, temporary employment to kind of see how things work out. And then once again, the hope is that they will be hired permanently. Um, we have another program called Good Jobs Challenge. And this, this is about a program that basically focuses on sectors. So it could be the healthcare sector, manufacturing sector. So we have people coming in and actually looking at ways to help job seekers, career finders, and career providers based upon a sector approach, if you will. So those are some of the overarching uh, programs that we have. Now we're actually looking at other programs, such as what we call this divide between the energy inequity. Um, there is a phenomenon out there in terms of, of solar and new energy, if you will, as an example, that has this divide between the haves and the have-nots. We want to make sure that we close that divide by giving people an opportunity, once again, to go into a career, could be an energy career, that they hadn't thought of before and to provide training, if you will, uh, that provides opportunities in that sector. So uh, lots of programs, and this is a, this is all inclusive in some ways under what we call our WIOA programs or our non-WIOA programs of uh, what the partnership has many of those. Hmm. And uh, the, the uh, energy and equity uh, field is, is something that I think when people are hearing us talk about green jobs, this is that that is in fact what we're talking about. Uh, Absolutely. Do you see that as an up and coming field? I do. And, and I see it as as one of those industries whereby 
There's not a lot of knowledge about it right now. I think people just call it green jobs. Well, what does that really mean from a practical perspective? Am I going to be working on the maintenance around windmills? Am I going to be working as a, a, a solar installer in a community such as Inglewood, where I'm from, where you can take a vacant lot, put a solar array, and actually that neighborhood now becomes an energy provider versus an energy consumption neighborhood by selling energy back to the grid, right? So these are just examples of things that are on the horizon, on the future, I think. And once again, we want to make sure that as these things take off, that there's some equity into it. Mm. Um, you know, talk a little bit about you as the CEO. You replaced the founding CEO of this agency. Um, so what are the things that you hope to bring to the operations or things that you uh, see uh, should be upgraded? Another great question. So, you know, the founding CEO did a great job, you know, set us up for success, uh, was really one of the, the nation's leading experts, in my opinion, in terms of workforce, WIOA. I didn't bring that knowledge. I mean, I was actually the co-chair of the board for eight years, um, but it really was more governance and oversight. What I have brought, I believe, is this because I spent almost four decades in corporate America, this discipline around what I call three things, people, finance and processes. And so those are the fundamental building blocks of I don't care if you got a lemonade stand. You need to worry about your, your people. You need to make sure that you're making money and you need to make sure that you've got a process that delivers lemonade to your customers. And so these are fundamental building blocks, once again, that I think that I have brought to the to the partnership, understanding that there are a lot of experts, if you feel, if you will, in the field of workforce. But we're a nonprofit. And I believe that nonprofits can also, I mean, it's just a difference in terms of what we do with our profits, right? But we can be have we can have the discipline of making sure that we have the right people in the right jobs, that we're being good stewards of the financials. And that we're taking processes seriously by making sure that every single process we have, there's efficiency. And there's always, because inefficiency leads to your bottom line and the picture in your individuals and your people. Um, we've had a number of mayors and, uh, and a governor uh, now who regularly tout this area's workforce uh, as uh, you know one of the best in the country. What do you see, first off, do you agree and what do you see as its strength in the areas where maybe where more effort is needed? Yeah, well, I, obviously, I agree. I'm, I'm somewhat biased, but but I do agree that this is is one of the uh, uh, as people have called us, you're the mothership, right? Because you know, too much is given, much is requested and 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 required, right? And so, at the end of the day, Craig, what I think um, makes us different, if you will, one of those things is that. We not only manage what we call the American Job Centers, but we have 60 to 70 what we call CBOs or community-based organizations. A lot of workforce uh, boards do not, they only deal with American Job Centers. But we have this, this model, if you will, that can take what we do through our delegate agencies, through our partners, if you will, and paint them directly into the communities where people need them most. So these community-based organizations, which oftentimes are smaller, they're doing great work. And for us to recognize that opportunity and take it to the next level, I think is where the partnership needs to head. Um, by the way, I should go back and point out that during COVID, uh, 
when we were talking about training people for helping us get through that pandemic, the Chicago Cook Workforce Partnership was at the center of that, working with businesses and working with the schools. Uh, that's the kind of thing where I would think uh, you're flexible enough to be able to get involved in getting people where they're needed. And, and that flexibility and being able to pivot, right, is, is one of the things that we pride ourselves on. What you're referencing is what we call our contract tracing and our COVID outreach program that we actually worked with the city of Chicago and, and around Cook County. But it's really more than that. It really is making sure that we keep our customers. And I think this comes directly once again of a discipline that I brought from my almost four decades once again in corporate. Everything we've done and everything that I've learned to do has to start with your customers. Your customers should be at the center of it. Because if there's no customers, there's no need. And so that's a different way of looking at a nonprofit organization, I feel. Um, that's new in, 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 in some nonprofit circles, but it can't be about us. It has to be about our clients, our business providers who are providing those careers and those jobs and our career and job seekers. If we design everything that we do with them in mind, and at the center of what we do, um, I think that's the, the the future of the organization. And what would make your job easier? <laughs> well, I think what has made it easier, and I think we continue to actually go down this path. I'm so pleased with one of the things that we've accomplished in the last six months is the credit goes to the people and the people that support me, right? We've had almost, we promoted almost 1.5 individuals. And I know it's hard to get a half a person, but 1.5 individuals we promoted every single month since I've been here. Uh, many of those individuals have been with the partnership since its inception. And so I always think that there are people there who could do more if they're only given the opportunity and encouraged to do such. So what makes my job easier is making sure once again, that first thing I've talked about people, right? That's the most important thing. You got the right people, it's easy for the CEO. You've got the wrong people, it's difficult. But now, out there on the landscape of government and private sector, are there things that you would like to see happen that could make this, make the mission uh, go better? I think that, that that answer to that question would probably be best answered in another six months to nine months when we actually continue to make sure that we're not the best kept, well-kept secret. And that has been something that I believe we've changed, right? And, and oftentimes when you're a regrantor of funds, it's the people, and it should be, the people that are actually receiving those grants and doing the work that are front and center. But let's not forget there has to be an engine behind it, right? And so as we make the partnership and our activities more and more, we socialize it more, more and more people are aware of it. I believe at that point, I can answer the question uh, more specifically in terms of what others can do to help us. But first, we need to help ourselves because I believe every single day, you know, I, I come from an era where I wasn't allowed to blame anything on the teacher. My parents said, well, what did you do? I don't hear, want to hear about what the teacher didn't do. And um, what the teachers say, I want to know what did you do or did not do? So I brought that discipline, right? And saying, what do we do as we look our, at ourselves as an organization? How can we improve? Mm. Um, and uh, I'm I'm very happy that, uh, that at least those people who listen to uh, this program 
we're are, have been very familiar with uh, the work of the uh, Chicago Cook Workforce Partnership because we and and in large part because of uh, Karen Norrington Reeves, uh, your predecessor. Um, they were familiar <laughs> when she ran for Congress. Our audience knew who she was. Other people <laughs> say, "Who is she?" We, 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 um, but we also knew about the partnership. Um, the last thing I want to ask is is are there myths or misconceptions about the public workforce system that you would like to dispel? Yeah, there, there's a couple of them out there that are that um, that are really big in my mind. One is this notion around Chicago Cook Workforce Partnership only provides supportive services for those individuals looking for entry level positions. That is absolutely not the case. Um, the data shows that there's a high percentage of individuals that come through our halls that grow through the, the, the halls and the, and the meeting rooms of our delegate agencies and our CBOs, community-based organizations, that are getting paid over $100,000 a year. These are not just entry-level jobs. It goes back to what I talked about with some of the, the you know, the, the job market in terms of the, the hot topics or, or you are hot fields, right? Healthcare is not a low-paying job. IT is not a low-paying job. So this myth around, well, you only get people, you know, $15 an hour is certainly not true because it really is about not just a job, but it is a career. And what we're trying to do with the partnership is have people understand that this is the, the, the switch and that we have to make in terms of their minds and sometimes in our own, that we are not just someone you know, saying, okay, you can get this entry level job and then we pat ourselves on the back and we ride off into the sunset. That is not the case. And so that, that myth, I think, um, needs to be well understood that it is, is in fact a myth. You said there were a couple. Is there another one that yes. you were... The other one I think is this notion around um what you get is what you pay for. And so obviously we owe a dollars come from the Department of Labor, and these are tax dollars, if you will, that we've all paid for. And so there's always this myth that's out there that's going to say, well, if it's a government program, it's probably the the service I'm gonna get is subpar. Nobody really cares. I'm going to go into a center. I'm going to have to figure out where I'm going by myself. I'm not going to be treated with respect or dignity. That is not the case either. We have professionals that are doing this work, that are career coaching, that are actually providing the options that we talked about. This is not just some what people would call this charity or handout or public aid office where people can go in and, again, be treated um, not the way in which I envision they should be treated. Once again, our customers are at the center of everything we do. And we treat them with dignity, dignity, courtesy, and respect at every single turn. Well, that's going to be our final word. I would like to thank George Wright, the CEO of the Chicago Cook Workforce Partnership, for spending the time with us. To our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website, wbbmnewsradio.com. There's a link on the homepage. You can also find our podcasts on odyssey.com. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. We'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 105.9 WBBM. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 